you what's in the envelope? Eleven dollars and sixty cents for people in Uganda. Okay, so where where is that money from? My piggy bank. Your piggy bank. So what made you decide you were gonna empty out your piggy bank and give half to Uganda? Um, because I heard that the children they didn't have food and water and I wanted to be for them to be able to have food and water. Cool. So you gave your own money to do that. And what are we gonna do with the money? Well, you said food and water, planting banana farms and drilling um, wells. Yeah. And um, what did you feel like when you heard about what the school is like there? She was happy and sad, happy that they have a school, because that's something, right? Um, half the students are girls, which is something else. And half the students are Muslim, <coughs> which is another something else. So it's pretty amazing. And um, but they don't have water at the school. They don't have electricity at the school. They don't have a fence for security at the school. So they have to have the parents rotate and volunteer to stand guard during the day because predators uh, of the human variety come where they know there are children that they could steal. Um, and so the parents have to keep watch over that. And that we're, so they're raising money to, to build a wall to help with that kind of security. So it's wonderful what they have, but it's a little tough. and. How, how did it make you feel compared to the school you go to? Um, I felt bad for those kids, and I felt grateful for what I had. That's great. Well, thank you, Kaylee, for sharing. Let's, can somebody pray for Kaylee um, for that? I'm very proud of you. Amen. Just stick that in the box.
Yes, and the Speaker of Parliament. Also. So who can convince a eight-year-old girl to empty out half of her piggy bank and give it to kids she's never seen? Yeah. Only the Spirit of God can do something like that. Amen? Let's open up our Bibles, speaking of the Spirit of God, to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Yes, the rest of the kids, all the kids, may be dismissed. My, my kids can, yes. If, if there is anything, I don't know if there's anything. And if there's not, we'll be thankful anyway. That's a real test for five-year-olds. When you expect a donut and don't see one. Yes. First Corinthians 14, and we're going to continue the discussion we were having on this passage last week. I'm going to start out by just reading it again, First Corinthians 14, uh, first like five or so verses. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in tongues speaks not to men but to God, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more, I want you all to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, so that the church may be built up. So, this is a, there's good theology in here, but it's primarily a sermon to the church and church leaders on how to order a service. It's a, it's a sermon, it's a passage about order and structure, and he's talking primarily about public services, like where there are a bunch of people. And he goes on to say, look, tongues is great, I love tongues. I wish you all spoke in tongues. I speak in tongues more than any of you, uh, which is Paul's way of saying, therefore, you should too, right? But let's say a non-Christian comes in, and they hear a bunch of people speaking in tongues. They're not going to get much out of that, right? They're, they're not going to understand what is going on. Why are they, are they, they don't look foreign to me, but they're all babbling something I don't understand, and it'll be confusing to them. And so Paul is saying, look, let's not do that. Apparently, they were, which is why he's bringing it up. Apparently, they were having services, and people would just take turns standing up and saying something in a tongue, and everyone else would listen, and that would just go on and on, and they were hoping that would do something good. And Paul's saying, it doesn't. <laughs> that doesn't do anything good, unless there's someone to interpret it. If it's, if it's a prophetic word, and you give it in a tongue, and someone says, I know what that means, then, then that could be meaningful, right? And that's what Paul is saying here. So he's saying, I'd much rather you speak in the language of everybody else and give a prophetic word from the Lord. And I wish you all did that. And he says that you should eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you should prophesy. So last week, I asked the rhetorical question, but one that I wanted everyone to think about. And that was that, do you eagerly desire spiritual gifts? 
This, this is a biblical command, and I'm sure we all probably have at some point, those of us who have walked with the Lord for a while. Um, but think about whether or not right now you're eagerly desiring spiritual gifts. Like, eagerly desire is a very strong phrase. Uh, in the Greek, it means something along the lines of, like, covet and pursue. But covet not in a bad way. Like, you really want this. More than you'd like the new Tesla, which I would. But, like, this is, like, something you really want. Like uh, that girl or guy that you really like that you would really like them to say yes if they go out with you. Something more like that, okay? So you really want this. Something you really, really want. Paul's saying you should eagerly desire after spiritual gifts. And I'll confess that most of the time I, I've done that, and then sometimes I haven't. <laughs> sometimes it just, for whatever reason, desire is one of those things that is strongly tied to our emotions, right? And so it, it, it kind of waxes and wanes. It goes up and down. And I think what Paul is saying here is if you're in a place where you're not really eagerly desiring to do this right now or you've chosen to opt out, like ask the Holy Spirit to stoke that fire again, to breathe on that fire in your soul and build up that desire again. Um, and he's also saying to those who are just like, I'm just out. I don't like this stuff. I don't want to prophesy. I have no, no interest at all in prophesying. Paul's saying, I think you should change your mind on that. And then he talks pretty much the whole passage on prophecy and why it's important and why he says, I want everyone to prophesy. Um, we talked last week about how the spiritual gifts list in 1 Corinthians 12 um, talks about specific gifts, special gifts that are sort of above and beyond the norm of healing and prophecy and wisdom and, and miracles and all that kind of stuff. But that all Christians, because we all have the Spirit of God in us, all Christians can do all of those things. You don't have to have a gift of healing to pray for someone to be healed. Right? We all just did that. Because we all have the same Holy Spirit in us that was working through Jesus to heal people when he was here. The same Holy Spirit in us that was working through the apostles. Right? And so we can all pray for people to be healed. We can all pray for wisdom from God. We can all pray for a miracle. And we can all prophesy. And we can all speak in tongues. That's something every Christian can do through the Holy Spirit. Some are given a special gift, something above and beyond, something special to denote, okay, I'm going to give you this gift of healing now. And if you cultivate that gift, and if you use that gift, and if you're faithful with it, you'll see an increase more and more and more and more and more. And that's the kind of people that you meet that it's like, it seems like half the people they pray for get healed versus whatever tiny percentage for most of us, right? And you're like, why is it that that person, when they pray for people, people seem to get healed? And when I pray for people, they don't. And it's, that's the gift of healing. That's what that is. The Holy Spirit, by his own decision and will, has said, you're going to be better at healing people. <laughs> and that's awesome. And the gift of healing, for example, is something that I have always eagerly desired. I've always wanted the gift of healing. I believe I have the gift of healing. I'm still not seeing people getting healed to the degree that I want to see it. And that has to do with the age in which we live in. We're in a long ebb in the Holy Spirit, like waves come in and out on a beach. So we're in very low tide right now. And eventually, soon, the wave is going to come in, and all of a sudden, everything is going to get easier, and all those prayers that didn't seem to get answered before are going to get answered, and all those prodigals who don't listen are all of a sudden going to come back. And that's what we call revival. Okay? And that's coming very soon. 
And we need to, I think, pursue that and in a lot of ways get ourselves ready for what I think God wants to do in the days to come. And part of that includes taking a little inventory and saying, all right, do I eagerly desire these things? Am I seeking after the gifts so that I can minister to other people? Minister to those in the body of Christ, people in my family, strangers, people at work. Am I seeking that? Am I asking God for that? Even if maybe you've never experienced it before, are you seeking it? Are you asking God for that? Is that something you actually can honestly say you eagerly desire? Or is it like, I'm indifferent, or yeah, that'd be neat, I guess. That'd be neat. Neat, that'd be neat is a better attitude than no way. I will never speak the name of Jesus in public, okay? And if you're there, that's okay. It's, it's a journey, all right? Um, the goal of all of this isn't to stand on a street corner and yell at people. That's not what we're talking about. Uh, we're talking about just following the Holy Spirit, obeying him, and going with whatever it is he's calling you to do. And maybe there is a specific gift that he wants to give you. Um, some of you, would you say some of you know, you either have a gift or you know what gift the Spirit would like to give you? Okay, so either not so much participation or um, not a lot of people know. Okay, so if you, if you don't know, because it says in 1 Corinthians 12, the Spirit gives gifts to all. So we all get at least one of these gifts, one of the, at least one of these above and beyond gifts. So that's good. If you don't know what that is, I really encourage you to bring that before the Lord in prayer, like all the time. God, you said I should eagerly desire spiritual gifts, and you said that you would give me at least one of these. So do it. And keep asking God. And keep praying like that over and over and over again. That's, that's how people pray in the Bible. People don't say, oh, Lord, if, if, if it's your will, it's probably not because I'm stupid. But, but if it's your will, you could, I guess, I suppose, do something. Like that's not how people pray in the Bible. People say, God, you said you would do this. So, Lord, do what you said. Do your will. Your will be done, God. Your will be done isn't a request. It is a command. Your will be done on earth in the same way it's done in heaven. That's a prophetic command in the Lord's prayer is what that is. It's not, oh, please, please, please do your will. No. God already wants to do his will. We don't have to convince him to do what he wants to do. That makes no sense. But we do have to push that will into reality, into the atmosphere, because we are the body of Christ now. And part of the body is the mouth, right? And so sometimes we have to speak God's will. Sometimes we have to act out God's will. We have to do it in order to see it happen more and more in this world. And a lot of that comes individually through our spiritual gifts. And I think the charismatic whatever kind of church, whatever you want to call it, um, that has big conferences where people get up and prophesy, and do healing and that sort of thing. Um, that's been great, I think, you know. That's happened a lot in the last 30, 40 years. Um, it's probably happening more and more. It's getting, people are less afraid of that kind of stuff, I think, than maybe they used to be. But some of it has done a little bit of a disservice. And I'm not speaking negatively against any people because a, a one-year-old does not know how to quarterback against a nickel defense. They can barely walk. Right? And so you don't blame a one-year-old for not being able to quarterback against a nickel defense. You just encourage them to keep walking and eventually to run and eventually to pick up a ball and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? And so the prophetic movement is very young. And so young people and young movements and young churches and young places make mistakes, right? And they fall around a lot when they learn how to walk. 
And so a, lo a lot of the disservice has been that we think now, a lot of us, of prophecy as the important person who's probably a man and probably white. And he's up on a stage, and he's special. He's super special, and he can do this stuff because he's super special. But obviously, I cannot because I'm just a normal person. No one ever says that. They don't start the conference with, welcome, this is the special one. Bow and, and be in awe of the special guy, and he's going to do things that you could never do, and we should all be in awe. They don't say that, but that's how it goes. By the action, we, we, humans learn things subconsciously all the time. We learn by watching. That's how the human brain works, which is why someone with autism has a really difficult time learning a lot of basic interactions and social cues, because their brain doesn't work that way. They don't learn by watching. Okay? Um, and so we watch the big talking head on stage do fancy things, and maybe they do things that are a little strange. Maybe they have a really thick accent or talk a little funny because they're from a different part of town or different part of the country. Or maybe they're just, they have certain idiosyncrasies. Like they go like this when they speak or something. And that's just a cultural thing or a weird thing for them. Or maybe they like to wear clothes that most people consider strange. Do you, anybody remember Catherine Coleman? She had a powerful, powerful healing ministry, absolutely incredible. And she used to wear these long, flowing gowns all the time. You can find her on YouTube. You can find all the stuff nowadays is on YouTube, by the way. All the old people that you've heard people talk about, they're on YouTube now because people are video cameraing their VHS tape and uploading it to YouTube. And it's fantastic. So I was watching all this old Derek Prince stuff and Catherine Kuhlman and all this really, really neat stuff. Anyway. She used to wear these long, flowing dresses, and she, she would just, she acted like a princess on stage. And that's just the way she was. She's, she liked dresses. Okay? And, and she was raised in a place where you act proper and, and, and that sort of thing. Um, but people see that, and they're like, oh, okay. So I guess to do neat things like this in the Holy Spirit, I need to be a little weird. I need to be a little not, not all present on earth and half in heaven. I've seen people like this doing ministry. And I'm not making fun of Captain Kuhlman. She's great. I'm saying that's her. That has nothing to do with how we're supposed to do it. That wasn't meant to be a model. What's the, the model is she had faith enough to pray for people to be healed until they were healed. And then she was faithful to continually do it over and over again in an era where women were not allowed to do that. That's the model we need to take. And she became popular and people knew about her because despite the fact that she was a woman and wasn't supposed to do it, she did it anyway. And she kept praying for people, and people kept getting healed. Eventually, someone notices when you empty out a cancer ward. When you go to the hospital, and now it's empty. That's when the newspapers come and say, what, what is going on here, right? And we're going to see stuff like that in the days ahead, and I'm super excited about it. Somebody had a hand up? OK. So um, sometimes we've seen things modeled, maybe not in the best possible way, or we've taken it as a model when actually it was just a guy who just happened to be a little strange. Um, doing some things that were a little strange. But that's not how we're supposed to do it. That doesn't mean we're supposed to do it that way. And we're not supposed to take away the idea that the special people get to do this. Okay? We all get spiritual gifts. First of all, we can all prophesy even without the gift of prophecy or healing or whatever it is. But we all receive spiritual gifts. Now, the people who are on the stage might have that gift in a greater degree such that things happen all the time or happen really powerfully. But that doesn't mean that can't happen for us either, because the reality is they were probably just faithful to the gift they were given. 
Because over and over again, when Jesus talks about healing, when we see spiritual gifts in practice, he says, to whom is faithful in little, more will be given. If you're faithful in little, you will be given more. Okay? And that's a law in the spirit. It's true with money. It's true with kindness. It's true with using spiritual gifts and using spiritual fruit in your life. The more you do it, the more God gives you. It's called faithfulness. And eventually, faithfulness leads to a certain level of authority in the spirit, where you do start seeing things happen because you say, this needs to happen now, and it does. And that comes from... And so any of us can experience that if we're faithful to what God has given us. So we find out what our gifts are, we keep seeking, we keep asking, and then we're faithful to use it. And that might mean we pray for people who live in our house all the time, or we practice it with them, people who are safe. Or maybe we find a prayer partner and we practice our spiritual gifts with them. Maybe we find a small group. And we had a, a guys group. Um, when I was in seminary, we had a guys group that met to practice prophecy. That's what we did. Because we all felt like it was something we were supposed to do because of what the word says. And we all felt like we had had or at least wanted to have a gift of prophecy, something maybe a little more. And so we're like, well, we're never going to know if we have the gift of prophecy unless we actually prophesy. We need to practice this. We need to learn how to do it. We're the one-year-old who can barely walk. We'd like to learn how to run so we can play football. Okay? Um, and we realize that prophecy and all the spiritual gifts don't work like possession. The Holy Spirit doesn't possess you. The Holy Spirit fills you, inspires you, guides you. But it's not like possession where you're doing something against your will, like a puppet. That's not how God works. That's not how the Spirit works. And yet some people think of spiritual gifts as, well, if God wanted me to prophesy, I'd all of a sudden stand up with a weird look on my face and open my mouth and say, thus saith the Lord, thou shalt something or other in King James. And that's not how prophecy works. It never was how prophecy works. Even in the Old Testament, that's not how it works. Sometimes you do feel a strong desire given to you by God to, to, to speak whatever it is he's given you to speak. So sometimes you have that desire, almost a, you know, Jeremiah called it like a fire in his bones. He had to share the word of God. So that will happen once in a while. I've experienced that, but only a few times have I experienced that. I've prophesied thousands of times. Usually, it's just, I think maybe God is saying this. And you get up and you start saying something, usually one word, or describing a picture maybe you saw in your mind's eye. And that's it. It's not that spooky. It's not that weird. And it's not that special. Other than the fact that the same spirit of God that created stars is in you saying something. The same spirit who said, let there be light, is in you saying something. That is special. And that is holy. And that is awesome. But it's not weird. It's not meant to be weird. It's not meant to be spooky. It's not meant to be the hairs on all of our back of all of our necks are standing up because someone said something or a prophetic word. That's no, that's not usually the way it is. Um, so maybe some of you have had some experiences with the prophetic that were not so great. Maybe some of you have been hurt by this before, um, in some way. And for that, I apologize on behalf of pastors and leaders. Prophecy is not about calling people out on sins or problems or anything like that, especially publicly. And so like here, we're never, once in a while, we will prophesy for people like from the front if we feel like that's what God wants us to do. 
but I want you to rest easy that no one's ever going to pick somebody out. I'm pointing at my father, so he's not going to be offended. Um, pick someone out and say, you need to get right with God, buddy. You are just screwing up so many things, like, or specific sins. Or, no, 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 nothing like that is ever supposed to happen where there's other people around. Because that brings shame. It doesn't bring glory to God. And it's probably not going to work to encourage him to change or do anything else. It's going to encourage him to be really mad and to probably run away and close off to God. So that's, that's not how you do things in public, even in like a prayer group of three people. Okay? When I say public, I mean anyone other than the person could possibly hear you. If that's ever the case, please don't say anything negative. Don't even say anything that could be construed as negative or bring shame on the other person. If, if you feel like you have a word for the other person that is a, maybe negative or maybe might be difficult to hear or something like that, just say it to them in private. Just in private. And try to do it in such a way that's not confrontational but is invitational. We talked about this a little bit last week. People don't like confrontation. When people sense confrontation, they, what do they do? They put up their defenses. And it, the word's not going to get through to them now because they have their defenses up. And they're already like, whatever you want to say, no. And so instead, we can be invitational and say, so I feel like maybe God is saying that there's a little something in the way for you right now. Or you're having a tr difficulty with something or you're struggling you know, with something that's going on. I wanted to encourage you that God is going to help you through that. Something, something encouraging, something invitational to draw them closer to God, who is the one who will help them with whatever the issue is, right? Whether it's just they're running into a wall or they're battling depression or maybe it's a sin issue or whatever it is. If you can help them draw closer to the Lord, that will help them. But if you show up confrontationally and be like, the Lord said, you're being really, really mean to your spouse, and God is really upset with you. The Bible says, if you are inconsiderate in living with your spouse, God will not hear your prayers, which is what the Bible says. And so you need to stop that right now. That's a strong word. Very, very few people could hear that word and receive it. Very few. Like three that I know. Paul's one of those people. By the way, it takes an extreme level of ability to be able to receive a strong how well did the Israelites do at receiving it in the Old Testament? Not well. How well in the New Testament did they take at receiving harsh words? Not well, right? You brood of vipers, kill him. Now, that was the right thing to do at that time, and I trust that Jesus knows how to discern what's the right time and what's not the right time for that. And that was a very specific calling. But for us, in our daily life, that's not how we need to be. We don't need to be that way. If... I have maybe, out of the thousands of times I've prophesied, twice, maybe three times at the most, have I given a word that strong to somebody. It was like, you need to knock it off. And one of them was a guy who was about to have an affair. And he needed a slap in the face to help him see and understand what was going on. You know, When your kid is running out into the street, that's not the time to be, now we've talked about this, come back. And you can be on timeout here at the edge of the street on the snowbank until you can learn not to run into the street like we talked about. No, you yell at them. Stop it! You have to scare them and arrest them so they don't get killed by a car. Okay? So sometimes God will warn us because we're about to get hit by a car. Or we're running headlong into one or something like that. So once in a while, we'll get a word like that from the scriptures or maybe from somebody else. Or maybe God will just speak that word of, of arrest to us. Um, 
So that sort of thing is rare. Most of the time, we want to be invitational and talk to people. But be careful when we're in a group of two or three or in a group like this to not say anything negative. We're not calling people out on sin. Our job is not to convict people. That's the Holy Spirit's job. And the Holy Spirit might use a prophetic word to help do that, but that's not our job. It's also not our job to make sure people do whatever it is we think they should do. And sometimes a prophetic word will have an element of guidance or wisdom or leading. And so we might give a word to someone that says, you need to, I feel like God is saying you should pray about your job and whether or not um, you're supposed to move somewhere within the company into a different position. I feel like God has something new for you, something different, so just pray about that. Don't say, God wants you to quit your job. Because you don't know that's true. You don't know that's what God was saying. It's important to try to give what you hear, exactly what you hear or see, not the interpretation of it. And this is a huge, huge thing with prophecy. The tendency is for people to say things like, you're called to be a pastor. When in actuality, what they felt from the Lord was, or saw, let's say they saw a picture in their mind of that person up front doing this, teaching at a church or, or some sort of setting like this. And that's all they saw. But then they interpret that as, oh, that looks like a pastor. You're called to be a pastor. Well, no, that was wrong. What you just said to me is not true. I'm not called to be a pastor, but I might be called to teach or preach in a church. Not all people who teach or preach in a church are pastors. My brother preaches every month. He's not a pastor. This actually happened to him. I'm sharing his story. <laughs> okay? Someone in a conference said, you are called to be a pastor. And that's well, just in his spirit, he's like, I'm almost positive that's not true. But maybe it is, and I'm not listening because I don't want to listen, which is very humble. And so he went up to the guy and he said, what exactly did you hear or see? You're supposed to be a pastor. No, no, that sounds like an interpretation to me. I want to know, what, what did you see? Well, I saw you up teaching. I was like, okay. And that's like, okay, so that was it. I am supposed to teach, and he already knew that. So that was a confirmation and an encouragement to him of what he was already called to do by God. But that guy gave an interpretation, which was then confusing. Does that make sense? And sometimes we maybe have been given prophetic words that started as real, but that person interpreted it or just didn't deliver it well. So we want to get good at delivering the message well, which is as undiluted as possible, is what I mean by well. So don't interpret it. Just say what you feel. Say what you think. It might just be an emotion. You might sense, you might sense that God is feeling this towards someone. You might sense that God is wanting to hold someone or that God is smiling at someone. Maybe you don't see it, but you just sense that that's happening. Okay, cool. Share that. Because holding could mean a lot of things. Holding could mean comfort. Holding could mean companionship. Holding could mean intimacy. Holding could mean protection. Don't say God wants to comfort you. I don't need to be comforted. What are you saying? Something's going to happen that I need to be comforted for? Who's going to die? What's going on? And now they're, now they're, you've just bred fear in their life. That's, that's, which is not the point of prophecy. What's the point of prophecy? It's for other people for their building up encouragement and consolation. The purpose of prophecy is for you to encourage, build up, comfort, or um, console someone else. That's the purpose of prophecy. And so if it's not doing that, if a, if a tree bears bad fruit, there, there's something wrong there. 
And so we want to try not to interpret it. Now, maybe you get something like that. Let's, let's just use that for an example. I feel like God is, is putting his arms around you and wants to do that more. And maybe wants you to let him put his arms around you and not fight that thing. You ever seen a little kid who a parent or someone's trying to hug them and they're squirming like, I don't want to be hugged right now. Um, because I want to go do my own thing, maybe. Um, this might be for somebody here, actually. This might be a word for somebody here. So think about that. Um, but so that's, that's the word. God wants to put his arms around someone. Now, I, I notice, as I started sharing that, then I got a little bit more. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's a struggling thing on the lap, and the person is actually resisting having the arms held. I didn't, I didn't hear that or see that at first. But as I started sharing, that other thought came to me of a little more clarification. Now I'm going to stop because I don't want to interpret it. Now, if as you're giving it to a person, they're like, yeah, let them talk first and respond to what, what does that feel like to you? What does that say to you? And see what they say and then ask them if they know what that means. Do you know what this means? Um, what this might mean? And maybe they do. Probably they do. If they don't, they can go back and pray about it. And you could say, I think I might know what it means if you want to know what I think, but I am fallible. It's much easier to give a word and to get a word and give a word than it is to interpret. This might be the most important thing I say this morning. It is much easier to get a word and give a word. Everybody can do that. That is not hard. Interpreting accurately what a word or a vision or something like that actually means for this person, that is very difficult. So it's better to just not do it at first. And then you can offer Here's what I think that might mean. And then the person can take or leave that. But if you say, you're supposed to be a pastor, or if you say, you know, you're running away from God and you need to let him love you, instead of just, no, God wants to put his arms around you more. Like, they might resist that word. And in fact, that I, even if I knew who this word was for right now, I wouldn't point you out because the way I gave, said it was, maybe you're resisting and struggling. Like, Someone could interpret that as being negative, right? So if I were to point that out and say, that's you, Dad, that could bring judgment from one of you. Oh, he's, he's not submitting to the love of God, and he's not letting God, God hug him. There must be something going on in his life. That's really too bad, right? And we don't want to do that. You don't want to bring shame on anybody. You don't want to bring judgment from anybody else. So out of kindness and a desire to have a safe place here, we don't want to do that kind of stuff in public. It's not him. <laughs> um, but it's some. No. Um, does everybody with me on this? Understand kind of what I'm saying? And so we try to hear and say what we heard. Usually it's like a brief picture or a single word in my experience. Literally. I, I'm hearing peace. And so, okay. What does that mean, God? Does that mean someone, this person has peace, that they need more peace, that God's bringing them peace? And let's say I don't hear one way or another, so I say, well, I'm hearing the word peace right now for you. What does that, what does that say to you? And maybe the person's like, 
Things have been insanely chaotic, and, and I have no peace right now. It's just a blur, and I don't know what, I, what is going on. I don't even have time to pray, and it's just horrible, and I feel so yucky because I don't feel like I'm close to God right now because I just have no time. And, uh, okay, well, that word of peace then is probably that God wants to give that person more peace, and they need to cooperate with God in doing that, right? And so you just get one word, you share it, and let them respond. You don't have to be the person on the stage who says, you were born on April 13th, 1984, and you live at 114 Oak Lane, and your name is Bob, and you have a brother who has cancer, and they're going to be healed. If you get that word, wonderful, okay? But that's, that's not what I'm talking about when I talk about prophecy. I'm talking about you caring enough about someone else to pray and ask God to speak to them through you. And then you just share whatever you see or hear, and it's probably a small thing. And Paul has, has talked to these folks before, so have I, the big folks on the stage, okay? Rick Joyner, uh, Randy, what was it? Yeah, John Paul Jackson. Um, I, I've talked to these folks. Paul's talked to these folks. Graham Cook. And isn't it true, Paul, that they say people wouldn't believe how little we get beforehand? People would not believe it. They're not backstage getting entire scripts for people. It happens, but it's rare. They're probably on stage, and God says, peace. And they look around, and then they feel like, oh, maybe that's for Rod. They probably don't know his name. <laughs> and then they say, peace, or, or whatever it is. That, they usually get a word or a glimpse. So we see them on stage, and we're like, oh, they're, you know, they're writing books about my life backstage. And then they come out and share it, and that's almost never the case. They get very, very little beforehand. Isn't that what they've said? Because that's what I've heard from them. And my response is, why don't you teach that then? <laughs> why don't you tell people that? Because that's not what we assume. We assume you're looking into my eyes and reading my life story. And it's just not the case. Almost never. Even for the big boys. They get very little, just like we do. It's a word, it's an impression, a feeling, an emotion, a glimpse of a picture. I see a little girl on a swing under a tree. What does that mean? Does that mean something? You ask the person. Does that mean anything for anybody? Little girl on a swing under a tree? And maybe somebody's like, yeah, that was like my favorite thing as a kid going to grandma and grandpa's house, swinging under the tree, and I have wonderful memories of that, and then it all So maybe God is going to use that then. But all you got was a glimpse. So just be faithful to step out of the boat <laughs> like Peter did. <coughs> step out of the boat and share it and expect God to move. It's scary to step out of the boat, right? It's scary to share a word. That's why I really encourage you <coughs> excuse me, to do this with people you know, people who are like, I'm okay if you fail. I've seen you fall in your face before. Didn't bother me then. It won't bother me now. So, or a safe place like this, like this church. We practice stuff like this all the time here, and sometimes things don't work. <laughs> sometimes things do. So we experiment sometimes with sermons, sermon topics, sermon styles. Sometimes they work. Sometimes, eh, maybe we won't do that again. Um, it's okay. This is a safe place to fail. I, I view this church as like part, like small group support group, part laboratory where we're experimenting and practicing things and trying to get better at stuff. 
I have a science background from college, so I, I feel like that about it. That this is sort of like the laboratory. And so if you have a spiritual gift or want to pursue one, or you want to practice prophecy or practice whatever, this is a safe place you can do that. And if you want to talk to me, feel free to talk to me about that. Um, anybody else have any questions? Who are all wonderful people. how to do it. Mm -hmm. once, once it's made simple, and it is, that's the thing, it is so much more simple even for the guys on the stage who write books and are famous. It's quite simple for them too. They're not getting big script, scripts, they're not seeing whole movies or anything like that. They get very, very little just like we do. They're just used to it and they trust God to step out because they've stepped out so many times and God has met them every single time. So eventually you don't even need faith. You have knowledge that this is true, right? Like I don't need faith that God is real or that he loves me. I know it. It's beyond faith at that point. And that's, that comes with faithfulness, using the gift, doing it over and over and over again. Um, so I, I might, in the email I might send you, I wrote, wrote up some guidelines. I'll probably put it in the um, update email, but don't shame people. Don't make them feel uncomfortable. Don't be weird. You don't have to say weird stuff. You don't have to call Jesus Yeshua, even if you like doing that, because they might be like, what? Who, what? what are you talking about? Just don't do that. You don't need to do that. Um, try, to, try to strip away any strong cultural things that you think you have. Um, don't use the phrase, that dog won't hunt, if you don't think they will understand what that means. Most of you don't understand what that means. Um, so, so just watch that. Watch that. Um, be gentle and kind and loving. Always be gentle and kind and loving. You are not the confronter. You are not the accuser. You are not the, that's the devil, right, is those things. Neither are you the convictor of sin. That's the Holy Spirit. You're just the channel of the Holy Spirit to give, what were those three things? Building up, encouragement, and consolation. That's your job. And so be gentle, be kind and loving. Um, I encourage people to use Phrases like, I sense or I feel, as opposed to, thus saith the Lord. Because to say, I'm, I'm kind of sensing that God might, that, that is more humble, for one thing, for you to say, because you might be wrong. <laughs> so to say, I kind of sense that God is saying, or I feel like God is feeling this or doing this, that, that's, it's more open. And people are more likely to receive it than, thus saith the Lord. You know? Um, and... Uh, yeah, it shows humility and vulnerability on your, your part, which I, I like. <coughs> so I'll usually say, I feel like the Lord is saying, or I sense like maybe God, this or that. Um, and I use words like maybe. It's not that I'm being noncommittal, and it's not that I lack faith to say it. I'm intentionally using those words so that the person is more open to receive it. Oh, I could take or leave this. Okay, then, then I'll pick it up and look at it for a minute. If you're saying, I have to take this, then I'm not going to touch it just in case I don't like it. Everybody get what I'm saying? And if you get a word for someone, it's because God wants to comfort or encourage or console them, and so them receiving it is a good thing. <laughs> um, so try to say things in a way that people will receive. Um, 
And don't be hesitant, this is, a, this is another big one, don't be hesitant if the word seems super generic, like peace. That's so generic. That could mean anything, that could apply to anyone. So that's probably not God, but it probably is. Often what we get sounds quite generic or cliche. And so feel free to just say it, just step out. And if somebody's like, that doesn't really mean much to me, peace, whatever, you can just be like, okay, well, Lord, give them peace, because peace is good. And then keep praying. Maybe you were wrong. Maybe it just didn't strike them yet. Who knows? But just jump out and say it. Even if it's strange um, or cliche or whatever. But as long as it's biblical. It has to be biblical. Right? I don't mean a Bible quote, although that's great. There's nothing wrong with Bible quotes. But if something contradicts Scripture or is against the way they would have done it <laughs> in the New Testament, then hang on to that and talk to someone else about it afterwards. <laughs> The people you practice prophecy with or your pastor or somebody be like, I kind of felt like God wanted me to dump my water bottle out on their head. And I thought that was weird, so I didn't do it. What do you think? And you guys might discuss that and be like, yeah, I don't think that was God. Um, or you might discuss it and be like, maybe it was. But if it's a stranger and someone you don't know and trust really well, don't dump the water bottle out on their head. Good general rule. Yeah. Um, now, in that prophetic practice group that I had, um, someone did see a vision of dumping a water bottle out on somebody, and they went for it. And that was the right thing to do, because it, was, it led to uh, a talk about David being anointed and all this kind of stuff, right? But we were very close to each other. We really trusted each other. And so it was a safe and appropriate place to do that. I wouldn't do that to anybody here, <laughs> certainly not in a public setting, right? And so, like, if it's weird or you're not sure, just, just put it off and talk to somebody else. Talk to God about it later. It's not like God's going to be like, oh, you're supposed to do that weird thing I told you to, and you didn't, so I'm never speaking to you again. Because <laughs> God's not like that, right? He knows we're babies. We're just learning how to walk. Um, and then ask questions to the person you're talking to rather than telling them. God says this. If you hear trouble at work for the person, trouble at work. Don't say, God says you're having trouble at work. Instead, ask. Frame everything like a question, and it allows them to interact, and it makes them more likely to receive something. So say, are you having any trouble at work? Actually, yeah. Co-worker. Always on my face, blah, blah, blah. Okay? As opposed to, God says you're having trouble at work. It's just... Again, it could be taken as confrontational versus invitational. Asking questions is invitational. Jesus asks questions all the time of people. Have you noticed that? In the Gospels, he's always asking people stuff. He's always asking people stuff. So I think that's him in prophet mode. And I think we need to ask questions when we're in prophet mode. When we're doing prophecy or praying for someone, just ask them. It's also a safer way for you to do it in case they're like, no. You're like, oh, okay. As opposed to, God says this. I don't think that's true. Now you feel a little bad <laughs> and embarrassed, which is okay. Babies fall on their face. It's not a big deal. But if you ask questions, it just leaves it a little more. All right, I'm going to stop here and pray, but does anybody else have any questions? I know this is a big topic, and there's a lot of stuff. Most of us have probably seen things that weren't done that well. Um, but sure, throw out an example for me.
and that's what you wanted. So you saw her grown. Interesting. Yes. That she's okay. Baby. I think she. I think they were less than a year old. They were little. So that's that's a great example of you need to be careful about interpreting. The vision was great, and sometimes we only know what things mean later. But if that had been shared and discussed, maybe it had been like, I think that's heaven. You know, but that's hard to receive, see. And that's where the, the filter becomes a problem. We all have filters in our head. We have filters of our own experience, our own theology, our own politics, and our, the many filters of our own self and selfishness. And so when you get that word, you so want it to be a confirming word that the girl will live, that any interpretation that you give of that is going to be that the girl's going to live, because you want it so darn bad. If that girl you love, you're trying to decide if, if you should marry her, almost any word you get is going to confirm that. Because you want it so bad, you refuse to believe anything else or see anything else. Love is blind. You're not going to see anything else. Which is why you need friends to be praying for you and getting words for you to maybe come in and say, I think you should wait. I think you should wait a while and not rush the wedding. I think you need to wait. And hopefully, your friend will receive that. I've done that before with people. Some received it, some did not. Um, but when you're in the middle of the situation, you can't hear because your emotions are too crazy. And I've, I've heard a lot of people give prophecies that start out really great and then end with, and that is why the Republicans need to win every office next year, or that is why the Democrats need to win every office this year, and that's how the prophecy ends. And you're just like, okay, well, that's your political filter getting in the way. And it... As the word came from the Holy Spirit and out of your mouth, it picks something up on the way called your politics. Or it picks something up on the way called your theology. And sometimes you'll hear people give prophetic words and it ends with, because Jesus, you are coming back soon, like sometime in the next couple years. Okay, well, that's that person's theology tacking on to the end of that prophetic, right? And so we got to be careful about that. And I, I have a whole teaching on that, actually, on how to be careful with filters. We'll do that maybe this summer or something. But be careful of your own filters. Try as best you can to just say, this is what I saw. It's probably going to start with just a word or a small phrase or a glance or a picture or just a sense of an emotion or something you can't even define. And just share that with the person. See what they say. And as you share it, as you talk about it, more might come. That's how it almost always works for me. 
sometimes if I ask God beforehand, because I have a gift of prophecy, sometimes if I ask God beforehand, give me some prophetic words for these people, I'll get them beforehand and I'll come with them written down. Um, but that's not how it works every, on everyday life. That's all people don't have. Okay? I'm going to pray and end so we can grab some food. And there's lots of it. Father, thank you for sending your spirit. Jesus said that it would be better for us, the church, if he left and you sent the Holy Spirit. It's hard for me to believe that sometimes. <laughs> I wish you were here, Jesus. I'd like to go ask you questions. I'd like to talk to you and see you. But you said, no, 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 it's better if I go. That's how awesome the Holy Spirit is. That's how much we're supposed to rely on, love, seek, and trust the Holy Spirit. So much so that Jesus says, it's better if I go. That's huge. So, Father, help us to know your spirit better. Help us to, to understand, to desire, and to trust and follow. And that when you give us a word, Lord, that we can step out of the boat like Peter did when you said, come. I pray that you would actually give everybody here an opportunity this week to share a word with somebody. Some sort of context, some sort of place. I pray that you'd give everybody here an opportunity to share a word. And I pray that you'd remind them to just have faith, step out of the boat, give it a shot, and ask a question, hey, does this mean anything to you? And I pray that you'd give people courage step out and do that so that they can encourage others through your word and through your spirit. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to smile on you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with favor and give you his peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.